Disclaimer, I am a counseling student, I am not a mental health professional, and I cannot give or offer mental health services. You are listening to Good You. I'm your host, Samantha, and today I sit with Lisa Keenan, who is back for another episode to discuss healing the parent-child relationship in adulthood. So trying to figure out how to transfer your relationship with your child or with your parent um, as a younger adolescent or young adult to a full adult can be challenging. And trying to figure out those different steps that need to be taken to start seeing your kid as an adult and to set those boundaries that need to be set in adulthood. So today we're going to discuss what the process can look like, what family therapy can look like, and how to start healing this relationship. I hope you guys are ready. Let's get started. Again, Lisa, thank you so much for being with me again on this podcast and talking. Well, this time we're not talking about couples. This time we're talking about families. So thanks for coming on. Of course. I'm so excited to be on again. Yeah. Um, I've had a lot of coffee. So if I'm just rambling, it is currently kicking in. Um, so. Oh, me too. <laughs> we'll just be rambling together. Perfect. Uh, so this episode, uh, I didn't send any questions. We're kind of free balling it. <laughs> We're going to try to, you know, just create the conversation together. And um, this was a suggested topic on the Instagram. And um, I think it was actually Macy I'm gonna, the, from the Well as Hell podcast who um, suggested this. Uh, how to recreate relationships with your parents in adulthood after toxic childhood relationships. So, I mean, just healing the parent-child dynamic, right? Mm-hmm. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's definitely a great topic because I think uh, a lot of people struggle with this and how to maintain a relationship with their parents through adulthood. Um, it may look, it may look very similar to then, you know, the childhood parent dynamic. Um, but as we get older, some of us, um, figure out that it doesn't work for us anymore. Um, or it's unhealthy. Yeah. Uh, and there's, there's definitely a way to work through that, um, whether with your parent or without. Yes. So I had that about. down. And of course, it's obviously better if both parties are motivated to make a healthy change together and it, things go faster, healing happens easier, but sure. sometimes you're not that lucky and not, you know, or you just don't have that ability. Sure. And, but it, it certainly just like any other type of relationship work, um, it does start with you, Yeah. the individual and of, and we can get into, you know, more detail of that and how that would look like, but, you know, you got to do the reflection first with yourself 
and in order to prepare for those conversations with the other person yeah. uh, to really work through what you're what you're feeling what you're thinking what's the problem uh, so the the inner work needs to be at least acknowledge, not, you know, doesn't need necessarily need to be completely done uh, to confront somebody or to work through something with somebody, but it's necessary to check in with yourself first. Do you think that's kind of like with couples counseling, like it's helpful if you're seeking individual, sometimes simultaneously as you're seeking the couples counseling? Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, and uh, a lot of the couples that I work with, I advocate for them to work on themselves either first or simultaneously Mm -hmm. Um, because you know just providing yourself that space to work through things that you're not ready to work through with with that person yet and that's okay yeah so okay so I wrote down a few things um to talk about I mean like like I said we didn't have any questions prepared so (laughs) I kind of just wanted to get some type of idea of what it looks like to do this, because this is definitely LMFT, but it could be individual therapy because if you're working with the child or you're working with the parent and you're trying to just get them to see maybe that the relationship that they grew up in or the dynamic wasn't too healthy, like you were talking about earlier. Um, I think one thing I notice a lot, um, and, and this is coming from personal experience and from uh, seeing my friends and because obviously I'm not in full practice yet or anything. Um, yet. Yet. Yes, <laughs> I am in my practicum. <laughs> but um, why do you think it's difficult for parents to kind of switch from the, this is my child to this is my adult child? Do you know what I mean? Like this relationship is not going to be the same as the parent-child relationship, now it's switching to like an adult-to-adult relationship. Why is it so difficult? You know, the talk, speaking with parents and speaking with parents that have grown children, it's just, it is a challenge. Right? You could just imagine being in their shoes, in their shoes of like, that's still your, you know, baby, mm-hmm. you know, that's still your baby and the, your baby's grown and big now. Um, but at, at the end of the day, you know, parents, whether it's on one end of the spectrum, they are kind of smothering in one sense or another, (laughs) you know, and it's like, I love you so much. I want to always be on top of what you're doing and, Mm -hmm. you know, um, be super attached to you. And sometimes that's an adjustment to work on, but, or on the other side of the spectrum, totally disengaged. Um, Enmeshed or disengaged. This is what I was literally just learning the other day in my uh, marriage and family class. Yeah, disengaged or yeah, fused, fused together, um, one end of the spectrum or the other, and um, I, I don't think people like change. We are creatures of habit, mm-hmm. and especially when we're looking at the lens of family dynamics, the family systems. Um, you know, if you're looking at the family systems as a machine that's been created over few decades and it works and it flows and people know their expectations and their roles and um that carries through generations sometimes and so when one person 
decides, oh, this is not working for me. You know, say they grow up into adulthood and they say, this system is not working for me. I don't want to be spoken to in this way, or I don't like this expectation of me. Um, they put a wrench in that machine and it forces the machine to mal either malfunction or <laughs> but, and everybody's like, whoa, why, you know, what, and then people mm -hmm. get upset, right? And so um, to really be direct with your question, you know, if, if a parent is looking through the lens of their parents' lens and they're looking at their child, right. no matter what their child's age is, they're gonna, this is what we do. This is what we've done for years. This is how we work. This is how I speak to you. This is how you respond to me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but there is room for growth and having a different type of relationship with your parents as adults. Um, and I, you know, I'd love to um, talk about that more. Um, and it's, there's, but there's certainly a, could be a graceful way of doing it. You know, mm -hmm. um, sometimes uh, there's a confrontation or a blow up and there's a lot of confusion that entails with that. And, but if you are patient with not only yourself and figuring out that individual work, identifying your emotions, processing your feelings and all that stuff, you know, and then being able to gently approach your parent. Um, and that may take time, you know, and, and even if you approach them gently at first and they don't, they may not respond in the most, in the greatest way. So it takes a lot of patience. It takes a lot of um, dedication, you know, to really, if you're committed to healing that relationship, um, if it, if it's that meaningful to you, um, some people, it, to be honest, if the relationship is so toxic, mm -hmm. um, even if it's with your parent, then, you know, you make a decision to, to not have them in, in your life. And that's valid too. Yeah. Um, not saying, you know, just because they're your parent or they're your sibling that they're, no matter if they're toxic or not, they're supposed to be in your life. You know, that, that's, yeah. some people struggle with that. Yeah, I think that's a big struggle with, especially uh, that can go culture to culture for, yeah. if, you know, um, family dynamics are different in different cultures, like the Latina cultures or Hispanic cultures, uh, African-American, Black cultures, uh, and white families. And Asian families and indigenous families that there you're going to see different types of dynamics and what lies in importance. Um, I think you see a lot more people are starting to feel maybe more comfortable going no contact or lower contact and working on themselves. And like, this is what's shown in the media and, um, cutting out toxicity. And, um, and I, I see it a lot on like Reddit. <laughs> I'm like a Reddit queen, like love scrolling. Um, but there, like you said, there is possibilities of creating change, even if it doesn't feel like it, even if it takes a while, which it will, because, um, you know, any, like you said, any system is going to cause pushback when you're trying to push it to change. Yeah. Yeah. And when I work with, um, my individual clients, I mean, out of the gates, we discuss their culture. Um, on top of their identity, all this, but mm -hmm. um, out of the gates, we, you know, highlight that, that, that this is a part of a person's life. This is a part of a person's childhood possibly. And we, you definitely have to consider that of like how to tread lightly sometimes when there are 
um, heavier cultural expectations and how to navigate through that. Yeah. Yes. And the values of this person, like, um, I don't know what it is right now, but all of my classes were really been highlighting what values we have, what are our top three values. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, some people will say family is Mm -hmm. there, is their value. And, and for me, I say freedom and like, that can be two totally different things sometimes. And those can sometimes clash, especially depending on the type of dynamic you were raised in, but you can still have freedom and still have a, a solid family relationship. Right, right. The goal is how can you make space for both, right? Mm-hmm. And right. Um, if somebody has a huge value of family, which is you know a wonderful value to have, mm-hmm. um, but they're, they're in, in in doing this work, there's risks and benefits to everything, right? Even therapy, but there's a risk there. Oh my gosh, if I if I say something that my parents don't like, or if I go and you know get into it, get into it with them, will they disown me? Will they kick me out of the house? Well, the, there's there's certainly repercussions that could happen, and there's definitely risks, and that is something else that, especially if you're working th- working through it yourself, and whether you're working through it um, with your significant other you're talking about it with your friends or in in therapy it's important to acknowledge like what what are my barriers here Mm -hmm. what are some things holding me back it's just important to process that yeah yeah I, i i think that's true because you might not even realize what it is that you need until maybe like you said earlier like working on your individual uh self and therapy and awareness and um being able to point those out, then going and healing. Because I think if you go in blind, you're like, well, this and this and yeah. this, and it's kind of like a war. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but one thing I also really want to talk about is parent rearing styles and just diving into that a little, um, because I think it would be helpful and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but I think it'd be helpful if you're trying to heal that relationship with your child and maybe you don't know why your child wants low contact and you don't know why your child hasn't talked to you in months or, or whatever it is, or doesn't want to come see you um, or w- whatever. Maybe looking into what parent rearing style you used and how maybe that could have shaped uh, a family dynamic. Mm, yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's an excellent, um, quote out there. It says something like, like you cannot raise your children as your parents raised you because your parents raised you in a world that no longer exists. You know, I I love that. Yeah. And it makes so much sense. Like your parent at the end of the day, it's important to have empathy with any type of confrontation or difficult conversation with anybody in your life. But it is important in, in, in the focus of parents with their children, mm-hmm. adult children specifically. Um, they're humans too, the parents, right? And they're, you know, bringing in, when they become parents, they're bringing in some trauma if they have any, they're bringing in some cultural expect, cultural expectations if that's on their shoulders too. Uh, at the end, and they're gonna make mistakes and they're gonna, you know, have stressors in their lives aside from being parents. And so it's important to acknowledge that too. Um, for the adult child and for the parent, like giving themselves like, not as an excuse whatsoever, right. if, you know, but um, acknowledging 
Yeah, there's always room for empathy on either side. Like, and and I don't want it to sound like if if I'm sounding at all like I'm going coming for the parents or anything. Oh. This this because it, it's true. Like I I think that helped me a lot with healing uh, my thoughts around my parents, um, and how they raised me and knowing like more about where they came from and how they were raised. And, and maybe they didn't have the tools that I, you know, got by, well, actually I know they didn't have the tools that I got from going to therapy, uh, at 19 and so on. And, um, it, it does help knowing that because, it's it's that there was something you know I I had saved it in here in my little notes if I can find it um I hope I can find it here it is okay so this is from confusedaboutlove.com I just found it okay <laughs> it says when a parent admits that they made mistakes and apologizes for the impact of those mistakes the adult child learns that much of the pain they experienced was caused by their parents confusion and ignorance not because they were mean or uncaring they simply simply lacked the wisdom required to love their child in the way the child needed and because most children repeat the patterns of their parents there is often a recognition of i was only doing what my own parents did i didn't know any other way oh that's so good that's so true yeah yeah and it's you know the ability to <laughs> It's hard to not take it personal when it's your parent parenting you, right? But it's, you know, how can you hold space for, yes, it personally happened to you, what has happened to you in your life, but where, like you're saying, where is that coming from? Is it because they hated you? Yeah. You know, is it because they're, they were hurting or they had some underlying mental health condition that had nothing to do with you? Um, they just decide, you know, but they, they, you know, um, created you and that this is where you are and whether or not you were born after their healing process or during, or even, you know, whatever, or even before they started um, working on themselves or if they ever did, you know, it's like, that's, you know, you showed up and their trauma didn't go away, you know? And it's like, well, how can we still have love for each other and respect each other despite the things that have happened to me as the child or you as the parent. Right. Um, Have you, um, have you heard of the book? uh, It didn't start with you. No. Oh, I love adding books to my list. Let me write it down. (laughs) Oh, it's so good. Um, I actually have it here. It it didn't start with you. Okay. By Mark Wallen. pronouncing his last name right but it's, it looks like a wallen yeah it, it's um it's about generational trauma and about how to work through that and so he talks about just like the uh, neurological impacts of the brain of when you know trauma occurs and um how they've done so much research how you know trauma can be passed down through the womb and all these things so he gets into all that but in the book he talks about like processing questions of what what to ask yourself about how you are perceiving your parents and in order to heal, not blaming them, you know, or really much, but just acknowledging what they have gone through, what, how it has shaped your lens, mm-hmm. your parents has shaped your lens. Um, and it's, it's just a great, great resource uh, for that. If anybody needs a good book about that. Yeah, I'm going to have to read that. I have so, so many books on my list from like, 
uh, different therapists recommendations. Like currently I'm reading, uh, the psychopath whisperer. This is the second time I'm reading it. And it's just, it's really fascinating by Dr. Kent Keel, but next I have, which I think it was Rachel, uh, Hymendra who recommended it to me was, yes, (laughs) is attached. I'm ready for that one. That's my next one. Um, and I know there's, um, was it Dr. Yalom? That, Yalom? Um, oh yeah, Lalom, Yalom is great. I, I'm trying to think, Love's execu- Executioner. That's going to be uh, after that. So I'm going to add this one to it. I have some audible credits left over and I'm, <laughs> I'm ready to use them. <laughs> yeah, so, so it's, it's important to really start with yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And figure out what's going on, identifying the, the system, the dysfunctional dynamics, right? Identifying it. And then secondly, you know, processing your feelings, whether, whether outside of therapy or in, in therapy. Um, <clears throat> but another thing is acknowledging, acknowledging for yourself. And, you know, if you can get to that conversation with your parent, limited beliefs, we all have limited beliefs um, and they limit our growth. That's what the whole concept is right so limited beliefs come from three different things typically fear past experience or being told something by somebody that you respect or an authority mm-hmm. right so a lot of the times we have these beliefs that shape us and they're very limiting so that's another you know conversation you can introduce it could be helpful with just discussing with your parent like what happened like what happened to you about your experience, what limited your growth or what is limiting your growth Mm -hmm. that your perception of yourself is. And it could be a beautiful opportunity to talk about your parent. Maybe they have low self-esteem. Maybe they're struggling. Maybe they were told they weren't good enough by their parents and they just feel like they're not or they're overcompensating because they're trying to be, you know? So that could be a really powerful conversation as well with them. Yeah. So, um, I know it's easier said than done for people to have this conversation, um, with their parents. And sometimes it can feel like really like, well, like to have this conversation, um, especially like, I I mean, I'll give the example uh, from my family. We didn't really grow up in like an emotionally open household. So talking about emotions does give that like icky feeling sometimes and so especially like talking with them about it but I mean as I've grown up and I feel more comfortable discussing with them yeah like I I just I feel anyone out there that that does seem hard to do and it is uh, talking about emotions and being vulnerable is always hard to do for the Mm -hmm. most part (laughs) yeah and I think it's more common than not um that it's such a, <laughs> most people do get that icky feeling uh, because it's not, it, it's not something that they were used to doing during the childhood experience or parent raising and, and, um, and how do you get there, right? And it's, it looks different for everybody. Sometimes it looks like bringing your parent into therapy and having family sessions. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that, that's impossible to happen because somebody will refuse to go, which it's in that's okay too. Not everybody's meant for therapy or, you know, is okay with therapy. Um, and 
So that's when we were talking about before approaching gracefully and treading lightly. And you may, you know, test the waters initially. Uh, you may, you know, I know people have brought it up in relation to watching a movie together and just asking your mom or dad, what do you think about that? You know, or, you know, what do you think about their, what that conversation was like between that person and their son or daughter or, you know, mm -hmm. um, just testing the waters um, or even asking the amount of, the amount of people I speak to who don't know much about their parents' childhood is really interesting. Um, I don't know much at all. Like I, I thought that the other day I was like, now that I think about it, like, I don't, I, I know a little about my dad's like younger days, but only when he was being bad. That's what my grandma <laughs> will tell me about. And, uh, my mom, I really don't know either. And I, I, I hope to be able to tell my children about, yeah. you know, growing up and what it was like when I was younger. Like, I do find that interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's, a, you know, kind of a backdoor way of approaching it. Right. Like, you know, dad, tell me what you were like when you were in middle school. Tell me what, or, you know, some parents though, if they had, if they had some trauma or anything, they don't want to talk about it and that's limiting too, but it's okay. And, you know, but maybe it's, about talking about a different part of their life that they're comfortable in talking about and kind of putting those pieces together or talking uh, to an aunt or an uncle or what, you know, to kind of fill in those pieces. Um, if your parent isn't comfortable, if they've been through something and you got, you know, of course got to respect that, right. Just as much as you'd want them to respect what you're not comfortable in talking about. Yeah. Um, a lot of the times when my clients don't know about their parents' childhood, or their family history and matter of that of we do a genogram in, in, in session. And that really is not only insightful for, you know, me as a therapist to really get like a, like a sense of the family's family tree mm -hmm. um, and the family system. But, you know, there's been times where they're like, I don't know what happened to that uncle actually, <laughs> you know, and, and they'll go back home and they'll ask, and that's all it takes. And then it just, you open that Pandora's box and it's just so much information can come out of that. So for those who don't know what a genogram is, would you please explain that to them? Cause I would actually be doing that soon for a project. I'm very excited. Oh for my it. God, in grad school, the amount of genograms I've had. So a genogram is a, is something that you make um, as the client, or if you're not in therapy, you can, certainly do on your own and it's it's depicted as um different symbols representing different people in your family and um for example you know squares are male figures circles are female figures there's certain symbols for trans people and you know all these um different identities and um gender identities and uh, even then they have a key box that you make for different health conditions that there's symbols for that um, different um, you know ways people identi identify and then we go into the relationship um, patterns so that is a series of lines you know squiggly lines or um Jagged or jagged <laughs> for conflict, absolutely. And you really get a quick depiction of 
the family system, family medical history, like you really get it all. And something so simple as squares and circles and lines, <laughs> really wild, but it's really amazing. Um, and if you just look up genograms, you'll find them and um, different symbols and they, they're adding more and more symbols as, as um, we grow as, as a field, just so everybody is, it's, is very um, included in that. And so it's just, it's a way to look at patterns. That's really what it is. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited to do mine. Uh, I, I think it's going up to my grandparents. So it's, yeah. we're, we're going to the parents and the grandparents. Is usually the farthest. Yeah. Usually it's three generational. You okay. can certainly go more back if you know, but it's typically yeah. generational. Yeah. And, um, I did, um, a slight one, I think in my ethics or theories class, it was my first semester mm-hmm. and I, I sat with my teacher in front of the class and, and worked through a small example of a genogram. Uh, and I was like, oh, I, I have to bring this to my therapist. I was like, can I keep this page? <laughs> I got to bring this. I know she's already aware, but like, I still want to bring it to oh. her. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, the amount of times where I've had to present these genograms and I'm like, wait a minute, I don't know that. And it gives you an opportunity to go to somebody that you think you may know and just fill in those blanks. Cause we, on the day to day, we're not thinking about you know, I don't know, those, those little details of our family history. And, and it could really, genograms also could help answer some questions of, you know, certainly generational trauma or just patterns, um, either relationship patterns or, you know, mental health patterns or health, general health patterns. A lot can come up, a lot can definitely come up with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's good for anyone to look into. Uh, but yeah, so that's what a genogram was. I didn't want to leave anyone hanging if they're like, heck is that? Uh, <laughs> but um, I, I want to also talk about like how people can even tell if they, they need to work through a relationship. And I was thinking like one hint would be, I mean, if, if you are uh, as the parent or the child feel like anxious or um, when you have to hang out or, uh, you know, when you're around this person, or maybe you find yourself, um, getting triggered and needing more space than usual. Like, I feel like those would be good signs of being able to be open and communicating about that. Those are absolutely great signs, um, to say, Oh, there's something, maybe there's something heavy on my heart that I need to work through. Mm -hmm. Um, and another piece to help is inner child work, right? Yeah. <laughs> what, what needs were not met? What needs are still not met? What are some unfinished business, you know? And, and if I could talk to my seven-year-old self, what did she need? Yeah. You know, what didn't she get? What was she scared of? What, you know, what didn't she do because she was scared of something or something happened, you know, and she, who did she talk to? Did she not talk to anybody? Did she feel safe? Did she not? So working through your inner, inner child um, self, I mean, the inner child knows a lot, knows a lot. She's, you know, she, she or they have been through what you've been through and knows. And so sometimes just reflecting 
on your younger self can come, you can come up with a lot of answers. And you can see where you are currently with that. I mean, like for what you were saying as an example, if you felt fear and you felt like you weren't being protected, like you as the adult might feel the need to be super defensive or protective still of that child subconsciously. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's a choice now, you know, as you're an mm-hmm. adult, you, you don't have much control of what happens to you is in your childhood, but you are responsible for what happens and who you are and what you do as an adult. Yes. Um, and when we do the inner child work in session, we advocate for the client to nurture nurture or you know there's some people call it mother mothering themselves or parenting them you know fathering themselves and um nurturing that inner child and being their advocate yeah and sometimes that is helpful in navigating the conversation with the parent i you know um i i have to ask do you think it's better because I know inner child work can be extremely emotional, um, mm-hmm. more than people I think realize mm-hmm. until they do it. I, I would have to suggest that probably seeking a professional to do that with you is going to be better because there are things where you could like, I don't know how to word it, like get stuck in that thought if you don't work through it with somebody. Yeah, you may tap into something that you were not expecting to tap into. And it's sometimes we don't know how to handle ourselves and move forward in the day after tapping into that, like kind of opening that wound. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then it's like gaping and you're just like, well, I have work in five minutes. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, If you're going to dive into that journey of your inner child work, definitely working with a professional. Um, can create yourself that safe space to do yeah. security. Yeah. 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 And, you know, another catalyst for some people to work through the work, um, healing their relationship with their parents, if, if the person wants to be a parent themselves, um, that sometimes are people's catalyst for doing so. Like, I don't, I don't want to bring in any traumas with my, my role as a parent. I don't want to continue this pattern. Um, I, I just put it posted something recently about, you know, children who are apologized to learn how to apologize. I saw that on your story and uh, it's so true. It's so know? true. Yeah. Because uh, yeah, that never, sorry, mom and dad, if you're listening, but that never happened. Like, you know, and, and so you have to learn that as an adult, like when to apologize, because if you're not taught that, how are you supposed to know that, you know? Um, but yeah, no, so overall it could make you a stronger parent if that's the choice, you know, path you want to take as well. Um, I read something that said, children like the young young children are your triggers in one like and and to explain this it's uh you know parents can get short-tempered with their children because uh you're serious and and setting a boundary with your child and they could laugh 
in, in your face because they're children and that's how they're responding. Yeah. But like we as adults who maybe haven't healed that and don't realize that can get angry. Like, why are you laughing? Why are you not taking me seriously? Why are you dismissing me. I'm so sick of being dismissed. I've been dismissed for so long. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I found that so, I was like, that is so true. Like they don't, obviously they're kids. They don't know what they're doing, but like, if you're able to tap into that self-awareness, like yeah. that, you yeah. know, that's why I'm getting upset is because I, I was dismissed for a lot of my life. I went unheard. Um, I been laughed at when I was really frustrated and the child is the innocent victim there. And the parent maybe once was the innocent victim yeah. there. It just keeps going at different <laughs> generations of these. And, um, and yeah, that's a, that's a really good point of being able to, it's again, easier said than done, but you know, with some work to be able to compartmentalize and setting, um, having a, stepping back from that role as a parent to a role as a human being to a role as, you know, you're going to respond differently as a partner. Yeah. You know, a lot of, and, and yeah, some things they blend together and such, but you know, the amount of time partners treat, treat their significant others as children <laughs> and they, they talk to the same way. I mean, we could have a whole episode on that, but <laughs> yeah, you know, so it's, a, it's about, wearing these different hats and um but at, at the end of the day being aware of where your words are coming from and where your reactivity is coming from absolutely so in my marriage couple family class we were just talking about that exact thing of parenting your significant other and mm-hmm. how divorce is the most common okay it's uh within the first like six months to a year and then again at around the seven or nine year mark. And then again, at like the 20 something. Yeah. Because Um, their kids move out and there's no one left to parent, but each other. (laughs) And it's like, where's my identity? I don't know who I am anymore. I'm an empty, empty nester. Oh gosh. I have this person sleeping next to me in my bed. Who are they? Yeah. I don't, I don't like them anymore. People yeah. Just autopilot for the past 20 years. Yeah. I, I took role as mom or dad and now I'm having to step back and re have a married life that we had before kids. Like, mm-hmm. but now it's different because we have adult kids and yeah, I can imagine that's a whole stepping stones, like buying a house and trying to redecorate it from the ground up. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so, um, but yeah, and then going back to the um, parent child relationship, um, you know, after identifying what's going on with, you know, in the system, after processing your feelings or emotions and um, this, you know, acknowledging your limited beliefs and in your inner child, you know, all these things that you can work on, um, it is, it's then important make sure that you're self caring for yourself, right? Having that self care as a priority and what that could look like could be very different to many people. Um, but it could look like setting boundaries, saying no, using your I statements, new communication skills, yeah. to healthy boundaries. Um, and it takes, but for some people it, it takes years and that is important to go into acknowledging that, you know, it's not going to happen overnight. Yeah. Boundaries, um, are, one of my favorite topics to work with because, um, it, 
as uncomfortable setting boundaries are, especially in the beginning, because <laughs> this also goes with that pushback. Uh, it, in the end, like you do feel that sense of freedom that you've been working on. Um, I think it was episode three, like my third episode is about boundaries and how to set boundaries and how to maintain these boundaries. Cause not only do you have to set them, but you're going to have people stomping on them and you have to maintain them too. Uh, and it's, it's a powerful thing and you feel really empowered doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And those with a lack of boundaries or zero boundaries, you know, it's there, it's hard for them to, yeah. um, acknowledge that you want to say, well, what does that even mean? Setting boundaries. This is how things have been done. That's mm-hmm. not boundaries What the, you know, what the heck is that? Um, but if you're able to get to a conversation with your parents, again, of their past experience, their past life before you were even in existence, um, if you're able to get into the conversation of, oh, you, you were, you weren't hurt by your parents. Like they didn't care about you. You know, they, you were left home alone for hours and you just had to like take care of your siblings and, you know, they, your parents weren't really available. Um, That must've been really hard, you know, and your parents could feel validated in that. And that could lead into, you know, sometimes I don't feel, I don't feel um, like I'm supported you know, either, um, and they, whether or not they ask, oh, why, who, where, you know, and, um, but starting with empathy and you, something beautiful could really happen when you are able to have a different type of relationship with your parents as an adult, you know, you may, you or they may have a newfound respect for you, for each other. And, um, it could, it could really, you're going to look at them a little differently. You're going to look at them as just a person, um, not just mom or dad. Um, And that it's just a different journey and it's, it could be really beautiful. Yeah. A a thousand percent. And sometimes you might not get that response either. Um, Sometimes they're like, well, that's normal. (laughs) You know, like that, that was, that's okay. But like, even with you validating that, like they're probably going to leave that conversation like, what did, what did they mean by that? And yeah. yeah. And if they're not ready to change, you've got to leave it alone. You know, you, you're, you know, kind of beating a dead horse. And at that point, um, just falling back on yourself and working on your own work while, you know, maybe they may meet you in 10 years from then. Yeah. Maybe, you know, sometimes um, it's unfortunate, but um, it, nonetheless, it's great when it happens. I've heard, um, my older clients say, you know, I really established a great relationship with my mom when she was 85. <laughs> and when she had a little bit, you know, when she had a little bit more, um, I don't know what it is, compassion with the old age. I, <laughs> so sometimes that happens too. Yeah. I think I would have to assume at a certain point, um, in life, especially when you get to around 80s, 85, you start really looking back yeah. a lot more than you would. You're not working every day to where your mind's caught and uh, just working and you're not 
you start sitting a lot more and start reflecting a lot more. And yeah, I can imagine that that's when a healing does come in that, in that age range. Yeah. And it may be, you know, you may have a shorter amount of time with them than you would want um, in that great period of the relationship. Um, but nonetheless, it has occurred. And, um, but then we also look at relationships where if, unfortunately, if the parent has passed away and there's some unfinished business there. So that's, you know, I would recommend people going to therapy for that too, because a lot of great work can, you can heal, you can do some healing work without the person, uh, A, in the room or B, alive. Um, and so that's also a possibility too. For So for those who have lost their parents, you know, and still have some unfinished business, um, there's definitely potential to work through that as well. Yeah. And, and like going into that point about working on yourself, that can also cause change within the relationship just by you doing your own mm-hmm. work and setting your own boundaries. Um, I, I don't know if I necessarily have had like that conversation, um, directly with my parents of like, mm-hmm. this is how I, I viewed being raised or whatever, but how I was able to switch my dynamic with them was setting boundaries. And it wasn't like one thing that I've learned and that um, I've said a few times in this podcast is you can't change other people. You can only change yourself. You can only work on your own behaviors and actions. Um, So you can't expect changes from others unless they want to do those things. But what you can do is modify the things that you say how you react to things. Um, and sooner or later, you're going to see a shift anyway, Be- especially if you are maintaining and requiring a maintaining of boundaries. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, taking ownership of your reactivity um, will say, say, for example, you're reactive to your parents, you know, or you get easily agitated at your parents because they are um, overstepping or talking down to you, have you know, but sometimes they do, <laughs> giving parents the benefit of, of the doubt, they do see that as you, they could see that as you lashing out as if you would when you were five years old and having a temper tantrum. So yeah. And that could feed into that loop of like, they're looking at you like their child again. And they're, you know, these things, right? So if you can respond to them, and this is, you you could do your your work on yourself to work through this, but if you can respond to them, not as the five-year-old self, I mean, keep keep them in mind, right? And take care of them internally, Um, but, not like getting them what they need, but not responding as them. Yeah. And and like you were talking about earlier, your parents might not even have ever worked on boundaries. Most likely they haven't, and they don't know what boundaries are, why they need to be set. So that could feel like a slight form of abandonment. When you start setting these boundaries, what do you mean? You don't want to come to dinner. What do you mean? You don't want to come see us on, on Sundays, uh, every Sunday. What do you mean? You know, this and and even though we see these as reasonable boundaries to be setting this could still feel like a slight abandonment yeah yeah and at the same time you still have to do what's best 
for you and, and, and communicating that with them. Like I, I understand and I can appreciate that you want to see me on Sundays. I, I have like, for if I were to use myself as an example, I have school and work right now. And like, I'm really tired and I like to use my weekends for self-care, yeah. <laughs> but things they like may that. see it as rebelling too, you know, but a, a really interesting um, intervention we do in family therapy. When I have like, like three or more people in, in the session um, in a family, um, we do this activity where we all sit around in a circle so we can like look at each other and we write down, I have the, the clients write down what their roles are in the family, how they're viewed in the family. So for example, if, um, you know, there's, a, there's the hero, the scapegoat, yeah, yeah. the, the yep. misunderstood, yeah, the yep. enabler. Mm. There's a bunch of them. Yeah. And they'll, you know, say all those things or they'll do it, at, you know, say it in the description. Um, but then we ask, okay, what do you want your role to be in the family? Mm. Um, and then they'll, you know, if they're more of the serious one or more of the rule follower, like maybe they want to be the funny one or the fun one and nobody knows it. And they're, you know, it's what they want. And then we ask, and then we ask them, Okay, how can you make that happen? And and it, this intervention is not only for the individual to to acknowledge, but also for the family members to hear. Nobody's yeah. a mind reader, and so if a family member changes or wants to change or wants to change their response, it you know the intention may not be to rebel. The intention may not be to disrespect, but it's like I want to change and that's okay. And, you know, just like kind of all the family members to acknowledge, this is not against you, dad, you know, this is, this is a me thing. I just want to be, you know, more fun. And I want to, you know, be more adventurous. And so it's important for the family members to hear that and, and to not take it personal or, you yeah. know, lashing out. So that's a, it's a really interesting intervention to do. Um, and it's, you can even do this with your own, you know, and, just thinking about your own family and how, and that could be in a way to express some, you know, a conversation with your parent too, of like, you know, mama, you know, I want to talk to you about something. I, I typically am the, you know, you, you know, me, my, I'm the rule follower. I'm the good kid. You know, I'm the favorite. I, I know this, but I want to, I want to try new things. I want to like, kind of, I want to go skydiving. I want, I know I'm not supposed to do those things, you know, but I want to go, I don't know. I want, I want to live life a little bit more. I don't want to be so rigid and just having that type of, and, you know, getting that feedback from your family member, but giving them a heads up could be interesting too. So they're not like, what the heck is wrong with yeah. you? Changing on me. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Do you, do you ever dive into like what got them to the role that they are currently in? Sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just, it could be reinforcement. Mm -hmm. It could be like, oh, I'm, I get attention when I do good, or I get attention when I lash out, mm -hmm. uh, that reinforcement. Right. Um, or it could be, um, I know somebody who his, the two brothers and one brother was always talking 
it was more of the talker and a lot of times talked on behalf of the younger brother. And so the younger brother, it was the quiet one, but really the older brother was the louder one. And so sometimes it's a sibling thing that just things happen in that way. Um, and it, it's like, oh, this one's the quiet one. Well, is he, or is it because, you know, he was assigned that and he was assigned that or it just worked out that way. Um, but it doesn't have to stay that way. And that's the important piece of the conversation. We are not one dimensional. We are not forever stuck in our roles. There's opportunity for growth and change. And what does that look like? Yeah. Yeah. I just, uh, I just started learning about the, um, the roles too. I, I, I'm there, there's a lot to go into, uh, LMFT, like yeah. uh, marriage and family counseling. So, well, MCFC. Oh yeah. M MFC. MFC. Uh, but no, it's, no, it's MFT. MFT. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Therapy. Yeah. Um, there's a lot to go into that and it's, it's really interesting and it's worth looking into if you have felt like you, there's a missing piece in, in that area and you really want to work on, on it. Just if you do have a therapist and you're in it individually, bring it up to them, let them know, like, I really want to focus on working and creating a new relationship with my parents or with my, my children, um, and see where that takes you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, a, a handful of people, um, don't, aren't really coming into therapy saying, I want to do winter child work. I want to do, you know, um, my younger self work. And, um, but then if you ask these interesting questions about the, it's all of a sudden things just, things just start opening up and then people have a story to tell and that's makes you who you are. So it's so important to never forget that, mm -hmm. but to grow from it and to get yourself what you need, what you, what you didn't get. Um, and that's the whole, whole work of it all. Yeah. It's really, really interesting. Well, I think, um, I, I know we kind of were all over the place because I didn't have any questions laid out, but I, I still think we got a lot of information out there for how people can at least begin this process and what the process might look like and how it could, what it could lead to. Um, thank you again for being on with me and discussing family therapy this time. Um, so can you uh, one more time remind everyone where to go follow you on Instagram? Sure. So uh, my Instagram handle is Mareki, M-E-R-A-K-I underscore M-F-T. And um, I am in a private practice, the Center for Therapy and Counseling Services in New Jersey. Yeah. yeah thanks again. And I hope you have a wonderful Labor Day weekend. Enjoy the yes. Day weekend, everybody. Uh, <laughs> and I will talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Today's music was written and produced by Tyler O'Brien. You can find him on Instagram at dreamscape, D-R-E-A-M-S-C-A-P-E, and follow his band at wastelander underscore band on Instagram.